0: Today's episode is sponsored by the company that keeps us eating well no matter what else we have on our to-do list that day, HelloFresh. When you use HelloFresh, you'll get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes sent right to your doorstep.
1: That's right. With the help of HelloFresh, the hard parts of cooking are gone. There's no more grocery shopping, meal prepping, or washing a sink full of dirty dishes after. Just pick what looks good to you from over 50 different weekly options, sit back, and wait for your delivery to arrive.
0: In less time than it takes to make a grocery list for the week, you will have a delicious, healthy, restaurant-quality meal on the table, ready to eat. HelloFresh makes eating
1: good more simple than ever. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Chatty16 and use code Chatty16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Chatty16, use code Chatty16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts.
2: of Chatty Broads with Becca and
1: Jess. So what's your fetish?
0: (laughs) My (laughs) fetish is balls on my eyes. We already know. But for those who don't know, now you know. My fetish, if you are a new broad here, is that there is nothing better to me than laying there and having the balls put on my eyes, kind of like in a spa-like treatment. But I also like it like all over the face. I
1: already feel bad for like the mom who's just put this on in the car, in the carpool lane and their kids getting in. It's tennis balls. She likes tennis balls (laughs) on her eyes, Tennis balls on my eyes, yeah. Um, A nice volleyball occasionally. (laughs) This may be one that you, if you are in the carpool lane right now with your kids, Uh I mean, it depends how you do things in your family, but you might want to listen to it later because we're going to get... We're going to get into it. This one might not be safe for work. yeah us depends ste- what actually, your work right? is that's very true because if you're in the line of work that our guest later on today is in if you're a sexologist this
0: might be perfect for work we are so excited we have nicoletta Heide- uh, heidegger on from sluts and scholars Liz. podcast family and marriage therapist
1: yeah. sexologist she's gonna come on a little later we're gonna have fun Amazing. talking about kinks fetishes. We're going to have some fun conversation with her, but uh, first let's talk about us. Yeah,
0: what's been going on with you?
1: Um, We are recording this, by the way. Let's
0: timestamp this. Uh, Wednesday, April 27th. We are. This is going (laughs) to come
1: out six days after we record it, so you know, who knows right now? I I could be in jail. I could be... I I have no idea. We could be canceled. I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, Well, traveling back in time, we spent Easter weekend with my parents. Then we spent last weekend with my parents too at the rodeo and yes. for my grandma's birthday, which was really fun. So
0: fun! How was it with the, uh, the fam two weeks in a row? Like it
1: was, I was just telling my therapist yesterday. It was actually fantastic. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. And you know, I've been doing a lot of work. Like I have definitely, especially like last year or in the past year, I was really struggling with getting triggered by a lot of stuff with my mom and like with our relationship Mm -hmm. and uh you know there's just there there was just it was it was hard for a little while there where I was like wow I feel like I don't know how to connect to this person that I love so much I'm sure you've gone through it before sure um and I don't know I was able to really like both take time to communicate with her like hey and I feel like we don't say this often enough sometimes. Like, hey, I love you and I want to be close to you. And I don't know how. It's truth the, bombs. It's the same stuff we were talking about yeah. a few weeks ago with relationships of like truth bombs. I am so upset right now because I love you and want to connect with yes, you.
0: Yes. And I think obviously like some People have different family dynamics. Right. But I know we've talked about this personally before and a little bit on the podcast where it's like we both come from families that aren't necessarily like, I just want to let you know I love you so much. Right. Like, of course, they we all love each other, but yeah. that's not necessarily stated and communicated super often. Yeah. And it's so important to take those moments to say that. And it's wild how it'll break down certain walls. Yeah,
1: like I want to be close to you and I get frustrated because I don't know how to be close to you. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to have some of those difficult conversations. But then also I was just working uh, just a lot in therapy on my own and like reframing things on my end. And I kind of had this revelation um, sometime last year when I was visiting with my parents because it was it was just getting like it wasn't even anything in particular. Like I was just getting triggered and very activated yeah. of really simple things where I'd be like, mm, I'm about to cry right now. Cause I just feel like so far from mm-hmm. this person and oh, I'm feeling rejected and I'm feeling all these things. Um, but I just had a moment where I was able to realize like, I want my mom to accept me where I'm at right now in spite of all the things that she disagrees with Mm -hmm. or that we don't see eye, eye to eye on. But if I want that from her, I also have to extend that to her and I have to accept her right where she's at. And I can't try to change all of the things about her that I don't agree with.
0: Honest to God, coming at you hot on a Tuesday with that real, real advice. (laughs) Like, that's it's so true. And obviously, like, again, some relationships, some relationships are different and like boundaries are necessary. But when you're like, I want to be in relationship with you in this way, you're so right.
1: I was like, oh, I'm not giving to her what I'm expecting from her. Yeah. And like. Maybe I need to shift my perspective and realize how hard it is to do that. Right.
0: And especially that transition into adulthood with your parents. Yeah.
1: And we want, you know, and I see it all the time, like in myself with friends with dialogues online is like we want to change the people we love because we don't agree with the way they do things. Mm -hmm. But we don't want them to change us. Right right <laughs> right <laughs> so anyway that was just something that gave me that realization gave me so much more peace and made me really see things from her end of like oh yeah it's hard to be in relationship with someone when you don't see eye to eye on important things in your life but also like maybe I can be grateful for the relationship I do have mm-hmm. with her right where it's at right like I'm so I'm so lucky that I have a mom that I have a relationship with yeah. even if it's difficult. Like. Wow. What a privilege. So anyway, kind of reframing some of that stuff. It's just like our relationship has improved so much as a result. And I've been able to just like let more things go and just like be more open to her in certain ways. And so, yeah, it's just been really encouraging. And it was so that that was great.
0: That makes me so happy to hear. It's Mm -hmm. so nice when you're like, oh, it's not like a week and two and you're like, God, I need to go home. Yeah. I noticed with my mom because You know, we in like I would say we've always been close, though it can be bumpy. Mm -hmm. Her and I have that relationship Mm -hmm. where I'm just like, God damn it, I love her, (laughs) but she gets me so mad. We're just so so different. Um, and I started to realize, and it's really changed the dynamic of our relationship in this past year, is that I, and this is something that I struggle with just in general, is. Uh, I assume that someone knows what I want from them. Sure. Always. And as far as love languages go, I'm like, I assume that if you're not, because I like to verbally affirm, I assume if you're not verbally affirming me, then you don't have those positive feelings about me at all.
1: Or you're choosing to withhold it or whatever. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And it was so funny because my mom and I ended up having this conversation like a year ago where my mom gets really frustrated with me and doesn't feel loved by me because she feels loved with acts of service,
1: Oh, yeah. which is
0: the opposite of who I yeah. am, the opposite. And so we had this conversation where I'm like, mom, can you do me a favor? And I'm going to try to get better at it and just try to do it organically on my own. But can you just tell me like specific ways, like if I'm at your house and it would really make you feel loved if I clean the kitchen for you, can you just Say that to me, and like I want to do that for you. I just don't think of it right away. And she's like, "Well, you know, it just it doesn't mean the same." And I'm like, "But I'm trying, so you have to just let me know because that's not the way that my mind works." And then I told her, "I'm like, can I just ask you for affirmations?" Yeah. So now I'll look at her and I'll be like, "Can you say something positive?" No. I'll be like, "Mom, I'm having a really hard day. Can you tell me something that you're proud of that I that I've done? Like, I need to hear it." Or yeah. can you, you know, we're, we're going and seeing some friends uh, later today, like old family friends. Can you say something nice about me in front of them so I can hear it? It'll it'll really make me feel mm. good. And so we've been having then this ebb and flow where. There's some like the 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 feelings of hurt are just lessening. Yeah, because we just say what we want.
1: Yeah, that's so funny. I'm going to I'm going to use that as well. But it's so funny that you bring up those particular instances because sometimes something that I noticed this weekend like I've sort of picked up on the past just based on stuff she said is that she gets really stressed out and overwhelmed when we're staying at their house uh-huh. when I'm like can you watch the kids our stuff is strewn all oh, about man. the living like, yeah. room yeah our moms are similar yeah. yeah and I have noticed and I've picked up on certain things she said that I, I can tell she gets kind of sensory overload yeah. like and she's like uh, makes it makes her kind of tweak out, yeah. And then those are the times too where there's the little jabs and the lashing out. Mm-hmm. So it was funny because this weekend I was like, you know what. I went into it like, I'm going to really stay on top of it. Like, I'm going to make sure that I'm picking up the kids clothes from the living room, mm. you know, that I'm not leaving a diaper on the counter, which I get it. That stuff sucks. But yeah. it's it's funny, like being in at uh, someone else's house and running around, it's like you're so out of your element, sure. you know, out of your rhythm and just having the kids. You're yeah. like I'm just
0: trying to kind of function right now. There's a
1: lot going on. But I really made an effort like I'm going to pick up after us. I made sure whenever I saw dishes in the in the in the sink that I was washing them and just kind of taking that extra mile to like show her like I'm I'm really like making an effort here to not invade your space uh-huh. and destroy it. And I could tell that she and she recognized that like, wow, like, thanks for staying on top of the dishes. And it was so funny because she gave me a, a backhanded co- a, a compliment and affirmation. But I saw where she was coming from. And right. so it didn't hurt me at all. But she was like, I've noticed you've been on your phone a lot less lately. And mm. I could see how that could be backhanded. But I also recognized, like, no, she's trying to like affirm. Me She's trying right to now. affirm you. And it, sure. she knows it's something that's important to me too, and that I've been working on. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, you know, like thanks, mom. Like mm-hmm. that, that means a lot. And it was just, it's funny that you say that because it was the exact same kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's crazy, like what a game changer it can be. I mean, we're obviously we're talking about relationships in a few minutes here, but it's like a, it's the same exact thing because, right? It's all just different versions of different relationships where we're all so different, but obviously the only lens we have to see life through is our own lens yeah. so sometimes it's like you just gotta ask and I used to feel like asking someone what they needed was like a failure on my part like I wasn't in, I'm not intuitive enough sure or caring enough to be able to tap into exactly what you need and putting that pressure and in, instead of just being like no, they're just different than me. Yeah, and I love them, and I want them to feel loved. So I guess I just got to ask here.
1: Otherwise, I'm just going to project my expectations, like onto right, them. and then not
0: projecting to like you were saying, like backhanded compliments. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people can probably relate with backhanded compliments <laughs> from family members, <laughs> and it's hard not to get worked up about yeah. those. And instead, yeah. being like, okay, I'm not going to project my own insecurities and right. frustrations on that, like. My mom made a a comment to me recently about, you know, now that I'm working out, she's proud of me for like because she's, you know, she's always been very like uh, athletic and she she cares about that. And I never have been. Mm. And she just made some comment about, you know, how I have like no athletic bone in my body or whatever. But like, like, oh, look at you finally actually like getting off the couch. (laughs) And I'm like, triggered. Offensive, but then I'm like, no. She's actually, she's telling me that she's like, oh wow, I'm impressed that you're like trying to move your body and like you know whatever. I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe delivering the wrong package. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it.
1: Mm. I mean, I think the hardest relationships are the ones that we care about, right? Like, of course. And I mean, not always. (laughs) Sometimes they're relationships you'd rather not have with the boss, (laughs) with the whatever. True, true. I can't get away from this. I wish I could. The boss thing. I all of a sudden was like. (laughs) so maybe not maybe that's actually not true but some of the most important relationships in our lives can be the most difficult but yeah Mm -hmm. I think just figuring out ways to express what we need and just remembering that a lot of times you're both on the same page of wanting to be close and wanting to have a good relationship you know that's easier said than done so anyway but yeah what we're about to get into is all about uh Uh, kinky, fetishy, sexy stuff. I know. So transition. I'm curious. Is there, before we get into this, Uh Jess, is there anything that you do not do in your sex life that might be on the more extreme level of like kink or fetish, but you would be down for if someone brought it up to you? Yes. Okay. So
0: I definitely like have interest... Oh, wait, is this something that I have interest
1: in? Or I'd be like, it's kind of more like you would be down for not something that you would seek out, but something like that's kind of out there. But if someone was like, are you down for this? You'd be like, okay, I would
0: say that I feel pretty open to most things. Certain defecations are not. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. 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 I'm excited. That's going to be it. That's going to be a no for me. Like Uh that's, that's, that's where I would have to draw Uh the line. Um, But in general, I feel fairly open to it. Um, Personally, like I uh, would be definitely down for like more bondage elements Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. bedroom. And, you know, Evan's not as much. That's not so much his thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'm a little interested in that. I think that that's kind of fun.
1: But what about you? One that comes to mind, like, specifically with this question, it's not something that I would seek out, but I would be fine with, um, is, like, pee, play stuff. Oh, okay. Where I'm, like, I'm not, like, into it. I'm not seeking it out. But if someone was into it. But if someone was, like, I want to pee on you, you're, like... but I, no, I'm, well, I guess I'd be fine with it, but or I, like, would, I want you to
0: pee on right, me. Right, right.
1: Like I, I know someone who like, I guess, I think we've talked about it. Someone who likes girls peeing in their hands oh, and I'm okay. like, that's kind of strange. I wouldn't like <laughs> desire it and go right. out and be like, I want to pee in your hands. But if then someone is into it, I'd be like, okay. But if it was
0: propositioned, you'd be like,
1: and also if you're super into it, then that's kind of hot that you want that and that you're turned on by yes, it. And so I, then I would be you know turned I do on have by to proxy say,
0: i don't think i've ever been in a situation with someone oh no there was the one time
1: <laughs> you where say? the guy like
0: wrapped me up like a burrito or whatever oh my god remember that oh, my god. <laughs> like, oh i forgot about that yeah i like went over to his house and he like wrapped <laughs> me up basically like a like a burrito like like in a blanket yeah yeah but it was like very weird and uh
1: Maybe was that a light bondage thing? I think so, but it was
0: very specific.
1: I think I have heard of people who want someone to be like in a full body, like almost like a c- c- Like cocoon. a cocoon, yeah. Or like the zipper bag thing. Yeah, it was kind of like- it was
0: kind of like that a little bit, I think. Um, uh, so I guess I kind of have, but I, in general, I don't think I've been in uh, situations a lot where someone was really turned on by a specific fetish. That then I could see that that person was like really turned on by mm-hmm. it. Because I feel like, like I said, there are some lines for me that I wouldn't be comfortable with. But in general, I do feel myself getting turned on. By someone. By seeing someone getting pleasure from something okay
1: so we're gonna get into it because i went down a really interesting rabbit hole saw things that i really can't unsee that i wish i could (laughs) oh really no truly (laughs) where like it pops up in my head while i'm eating and i'm like i cannot be undone (laughs) really wish i hadn't seen that um oh it's a lot actually okay okay okay. here's what happened i'm just gonna break it down before we have her on real quick but so our guest nicoletta heidegger i was going through like media links to articles she's been featured on and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so there was one which i want to talk to her about about people who have fart fetishes because i think it's really interesting and i just want to get into a larger conversation about like the origins of fetish and such um but uh, on that article, it linked to someone, um, someone's uh, who does those kind of videos. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize when I clicked on the link that it was mostly their page was scat fetish. Okay. And yeah, uh, there, yeah there were there were some things where I'm like, I don't ever want to see that again. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. um, I'm. I I'm really glad that you're into this and I'm glad that you have found a community and a network of people who are on all into this, but like truly, but, but yeah, but it's, because imagine it's, in the past, hundreds of years ago where it's like, maybe you're super into something and you just like, have to hide that to the rest of your this life to
0: somebody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you have to just be vulnerable and put it out there and like
1: get shut down right. and whatever. I yeah. Mean, hey, you can't help what turns you on. And if mm-hmm. it's not harming anyone, do it. Right. So, yeah. So I'm I'm have I'm truly happy that people get to express something that really they find erotic pleasure in and other people do as well. I love that for them. But yeah, um hmm some of that. But then I went on, you know the website Quora? Yes. So then I went down a rabbit hole of oh. like on Quora people were yeah. asking like does anyone Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> I love Quora. But like one of the questions was like do you have a scat fetish? Scat fetish and how did it originate? Like how did you find out about it? Cuz sometimes right. people don't know until they've had an experience. Right accidentally mm-hmm. and be like whoa i am into this mm-hmm. so that was really interesting and it was funny because i was disgusted fascinated but then also people's descriptions of their experience were turning me on so it wasn't like it was I, it was
0: their pleasure that was yes because sure,
1: sure. i'm like no i really don't want to give gray a job with poop like yeah. that's <laughs> yeah that's, uh, <laughs> yeah it's not it's not for me. It's not for me either. But reading someone's description of the pleasure that they were receiving and how turned on they were getting and how turned on their partner was uh-huh. getting, it was interesting because I was kind of like, Whoa, I'm I'm aroused by this. And yes. then I was I was telling Gray about it and he was like, I am disgusted, but like I am also kind of <laughs> aroused similar, by this. Yeah, sure, sure. Um so it's kind of interesting because I think that a lot of times there may be something totally out there, but then like hearing how someone is deriving so much pleasure from something mm-hmm. and hearing it from them, it's a total different, totally different ball game. So, so I find all of that really fascinating. I want to
0: talk about the origins of some of these. And I yeah. told you, I definitely want to ask about feet too. I'm always curious about the origin of the foot fetish since that is such a common fetish.
1: Let's get into it. Let's talk so, about like what, how, what she does and yeah. ask some of these questions. And then let's also have her give some advice too.
0: Love. All right, Great. let's get
1: into it. Okay, Braz, but before we get into
0: this amazing conversation with the amazing Nicoletta, uh, I have to brag for just like 10 seconds because last night I made the best dinner of my life. Like no joke, the only bad part is that there were no leftovers uh, for me to eat today because I just took the whole thing down. But other than that perfection, uh, the dinner was one pan beef and poblano tacos with kiwi salsa and lime crema. Okay. Doesn't that just sound so fancy? It tasted that way too, trust me. But it was actually so easy to make because it was one of the recipes in my weekly
1: delivery from HelloFresh. Okay. I'm a little offended you didn't save me one. You know, I get hungry during lunch when we record, but that sounds amazing. I- I personally would have never thought to put a fruit salsa on tacos, but that's one of the best parts about HelloFresh. You get to try so many new recipes and combos that you may have never even thought to try. And each week you'll get to choose from over 50 different menu options and you can decide from there. And then HelloFresh sends you all the freshest ingredients. They are pre-portioned and partially prepared. The ingredients they send you, they're ready to go along with super simple to follow recipe cards. It's all you really need to make a delicious, healthy meal.
0: Like Becca mentioned, one of the greatest things about HelloFresh is how much it allows you to try new recipes or use ingredients you might not normally use. Typically, I would always shy away from recipes that required ingredients I didn't already have because I didn't want to buy an entirely new set of spices for something that let's be honest, might not turn out the way that I had hoped, okay? (laughs) But HelloFresh gives you just what you need for each recipe, no more food waste, and you have the
1: freedom to cook with so many new ingredients. Go to hellofresh.com slash chatty16 and use code chatty16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's hellofresh.com slash chatty16 and use code chatty16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. So we're pet people here at Chatty Broads.
0: Dogs, cats, chickens, uh, for ember, snakes, spiders. We love them all, but there's no denying that pets can come with a little stink, especially if you have a cat and your cat has a litter box. Um, My dad has cats, so I know firsthand the struggle of trying to keep a litter box smelling fresh and clean. It can be a bit of a challenge, let's say. Uh, He swears there's only one brand of litter that does the job, and that is pretty litter.
1: There is not another cat litter quite like pretty litter. My issue has always been the dust and litter residue that gets tracked across the house. I don't think there's anything worse than stepping on that litter barefoot first thing in the morning, disgusting. But thanks to Pretty Litter's super light crystal base, the litter is virtually dust-free, which means it's mess-free and it's long-lasting. It traps odors for up to a month and it doesn't clump at all, which means you're gonna be scooping a whole lot less.
0: And the thing that really sets Pretty Litter apart It looks out for the health of your cat. Pretty Litter's uh, crystals actually change colors to help detect early signs of potential illness in your cat, including urinary tract infections, and kidney issues. And we know that cats can be mysterious and can tend to hide some of those health issues. So you can have a real peace of mind when you use Pretty Litter.
1: Pretty Litter works, trapping odors, not clumping, and it gives you peace of mind. That's why we love it. You and your cat will love it too. Go to prettylitter.com slash chatty to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash chatty to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash chatty.
0: Okay, broads, we are officially here with the amazing Nicoletta Heidegger. Oh, my goodness. Host of Sluts and Scholars. Yeah.
1: Welcome.
2: Hi. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me.
1: So I'm excited. I was just saying before we started recording that like my sister has been a fan of your podcast for a really long time, has always recommended it to me. And I feel like you just um, kind of have your space carved out in like the podcast world. And I know you have a lot of fans that really love what you do
2: oh fuck yeah I love starting a (laughs) podcast with some validation and compliments so thank you I am so happy to be here let's talk about sex yeah and
1: kind of like, okay, so what do you do? Why do you just give everyone kind of an overview of, I love seeing your diplomas in the background here. Uh, I so know. we'd love to hear about your credentials.
0: I'm like, I and- wish that I had that during the <laughs> podcast. I'd be like, I have like a little high school diploma for my small Christian
2: school. <laughs> like- You've got better though. You've got plants. You've Got the greenery. Yes, I am. I'm currently at my office right now, which apologies in advance if you hear any weird noises in the background. I actually work at a ranch. Oh. Um, so in addition to sex therapy, which is my main thing, I also, do something called equine assisted therapy, yeah, which is therapy with horses and donkeys. So, my literal so cool. We don't, uh, I think sometimes people get a little weirded out when I say I do sex therapy and horse therapy. <laughs> it's not a, not in combination in the way no. you might think. Uh, but my neighbors at my office are pigs and goats and sheep and horses. So oh, wow. if you hear some weird noises, it's nothing kinky. It's a uh, literal animals. <laughs> it's a literal um,
0: animals. <laughs>
2: yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm a marriage family therapist practicing in Los Angeles. I do therapy in California for folks and then also coaching, um, throughout the world and I specialize in issues relating to sex and sexuality. And when I'm not doing private practice, I basically do the podcast called Sluts and Scholars, uh, which is like a shame-free, sex-positive podcast about all things sex. Uh, and then I educate um, different communities around human sexuality.
1: Cool. I was kind of reading about your bio, and you were saying that you sort of grew up in a, in a family that was like, Sex affirming, I guess you could say, and that you were always kind of like the source of info for your friends. And I thought it was interesting, too. I was curious. You said you started therapy at the age of 12 also, which is like much younger than most people. I was kind of curious how that affected sort of your experience going into your career and just into your life in general.
2: Definitely. I fucking hated it at the time when my mom sent me. I was like, not going to therapy. I'm just gonna talk shit about you the whole time. Yeah. And she was like, fine, talk shit about me. Um and I did for a long time. And then like, I love therapy now. Yeah, therapy's great. Uh just get to complain about my parents. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I do think that was helpful for me to get emotionally cued into myself at a young mm. age um uh, to start getting like regulated to address anxiety and ADHD and all sorts of things like that but yeah my parents maybe maybe almost too unboundaried were pretty open talking about sex stuff um and so they never like kind of shamed me luckily mm. for my own kind of sexual exploration and like early self pleasure habits um and so yeah friends just ended up coming to me to ask questions of and then luckily i had some younger siblings who had some cool babysitters growing up so Uh, we became friends and I remember one of them gifted me a Nina Hartley's guide to better fellatio for my like 15th birthday. And so I just, I just had a lot of support from all, from all around. (laughs) So what do you generally do? Like in, you said
1: generally you deal with just like sex is is sex kind of mainly what you address in your practice with your clients?
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's always about sex, but it's never just about sex. Mm. Some people come in and they think it's about one thing. Uh, but really there's other stuff going on, whether that be trauma, anxiety, um, just lack of sex education. But yeah, usually people reach out to me if there's something sexual that they're struggling with. So that could be, I've never had an orgasm or I really am wanting to have more pleasure with my partner or we haven't had sex in years or I'm experiencing pain during sex, Mm -hmm. or I want to figure out how to get a little kinkier or uh, I want to open up my relationship to non-monogamy. It kind of runs the gamut.
1: That's so cool. Now I'm like, I, I could pick your brain on so many things. <laughs>
0: like, but some topics. Yeah, we, we, can, we, we can
1: literally just have a therapy, sex therapy <laughs> session if you want. <laughs> Love it. Well, actually, one thing that we had talked about before, uh, just earlier this morning, and something that I had seen, you had some discussions on your podcast recently about is, and I see this all the time, people talking about on social media too. Partners in long-term relationships who have uh, mismatching libidos or different libidos different sex drives different maybe even just sexual needs in general i would kind of love to have a conversation about how to approach that because a lot of times it can cause a lot of feelings of rejection Mm -hmm. a lot of tension and i think a lot of us don't know how to reject the other person or how to receive rejection i would just love to kind of hear how you explore that with your clients and people struggling with that
2: Sure. Well, if you're comfortable answering, let me ask all of us, myself included, yeah. this are you currently with or have you been with someone where it lined up all the time in terms mm-hmm. of your like drive and desire?
0: Where it always lined up? Absolutely not.
2: No, I think I've had one <laughs> relationship where it was very similar,
1: uh-huh. but um and how was the no. how was the other stuff in the relationship? Bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'm in this field and I'm also with someone where it doesn't line up all the time. Right. So like for people listening, I really just want to normalize that. Like, I think as humans, we tend to kind of pick our, the yin to our yang, you know, we kind of Mm -hmm. pick our opposites. And so at first uh, that's kind of like exciting because we've got this difference and there's like a pull. Mm -hmm. Um, But look, we're all different humans. So there's going to be different levels of desire and drive and things that we want and need. And that also changes over time. So like differing libidos is the most common thing that I see. I don't Mm -hmm. think I've seen one couple in my life or partnership where it like always aligns. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when a couple comes to see me or partnership comes to see me, that's struggling with that. um, I think first thing I will do is to normalize that, um, Mm -hmm. but also validate like whatever frustration is coming up. Um, And then I might encourage them to explore their definition of sex. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people have like a difference in what they think the right amount of sex is or should be or wants mm-hmm. to be. But then I'm curious, like, how do they define sex? So one partner might feel like they're having a lot of sex and intimacy, because maybe they define sex as making out and hand stuff. Uh, but if the other partner just defines it as penetration, maybe they feel like they're not having a lot of sex. Right. So we'll talk about how do you define sex. Um, and I'd happy to hear from y'all if you want to be included how you would define it uh yeah I'd love I'd love to sort of chime in because I had actually a pretty
1: recent experience where there was a couple months where I had absolutely no sexual desire so that's even like making out being touched Mm -hmm. at all was kind of like uh I don't I don't want that Mm -hmm. and that was something kind of difficult to navigate so in that situation it was like I think sex can be defined in so many different ways, but it was like, it was literally for me, like no sex, no mm-hmm. physical intimacy at all. So let's just say per se that I, that's what I say. I'm like, well, sex could be everything. Let's say I'm your client. Sex could be a lot. But of you're like, I don't want any you of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. So next thing I would do is I really like to work from what I call like a biopsychosocial model. So for me, this means looking at like psychological, Mm. spiritual, culture, physiological bodies, like whatever's going on. And so my next step would be uh, potentially referring both clients or at least one of the clients to someone who specializes in sexual medicine. Mm. Um, And this for me is to rule in or rule out any physiological causes So just things throughout our lifespan, whether that be pregnancy or changes in our cycle, uh, hormones, vitamin deficiencies, uh, pelvic pain that's happening. There's a lot of physical stuff that can cause our bodies to like shut down, uh, to desire or arousal. And so I want to rule in or rule out anything physical first, Mm because I can't help directly with that. And if I'm trying to support someone, but really there's like a hormone imbalance going on, it might not fucking go anywhere. And Mm. so we want to rule that in or out first and not in like a shaming way, but in like, oh, let's figure out holistically what's happening here. I think next thing I will do, um, there's an approach that I really love called the erotic blueprint. Have you heard of this? I haven't. Mm -mm. Okay. So the erotic blueprint was created by uh, someone named Miss Jaya and her partners. And basically it's kind of like a personality test for your erotic Identity
1: need to take um, it now. <laughs> yes, like, we can totally go and we'll read it, and take it. Like, if you want to go through it.
2: I'll tell you what what mine are, but yeah, oh, for folks cool. listening, pull it up, Google Erotic Blueprint. There's a quiz you can take, but there's also articles so you can read it, you know, for free and kind of self-identify. Um, But basically, it talks about like what does it take for you to, I don't know, even be open to the idea of connecting with somebody, mm. um, and so it just kind of just like a personality test. Everyone has sort of different levels. I don't want people to think this is just like astrology unless you're really into astrology, but it's like (laughs) people have different percentages of these sort of different erotic styles. And based on that, that's going to kind of help determine what they need in order to connect with a partner. And Mm -hmm. often we pick someone who's not our same erotic identity. So one person is trying it in their language, let's say like almost like they're speaking French and then the other person is doing it in Spanish and then it's like not lining up. Um, So for example, I'm someone who's what's called a a sensual. And so this is someone who often like gets in their head um, and needs a lot of everything to be just right, to even Mm -hmm. be open to the idea of getting turned on. And Mm -hmm. so if you're a sensual and your partner just comes at you with like a boob honk, let's fuck, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) it's not going to line up. Yeah, (laughs) Right, right? right. So it's fine if you're not the same blueprint, but I like to help people learn each other's language so that they can figure out if they're willing to learn that language and then learn to speak it. Um, So that's often like the next step. And then probably the main thing that I do, though, is a lot of education, a lot of some people have just never learned about any of this stuff. Um, And then we spend a lot of time doing like a long sexual and relationship history um, so that folks can kind of learn what their blocks are, what their narratives are about sex Um, And then probably another main thing that I do for most folks is teach them about the nervous system. Um, Mm. And so this is basically like how your body works with sex. Um, We usually use like a car analogy. It's called the dual control model, but basically all of us kind of have like sex cars, if that makes sense. (laughs) So we've all got different like sensitivities of our brakes and our accelerators. So some people have really sensitive brakes where they like have a lot of things that turn them off. or kind of pull them out of the mood. And some people have really sensitive accelerators that they're like, everything turns me on, like the wind blew and I'm ready to go. (laughs) So like you have to figure out what your kind of sensitivities are of your brakes and your accelerators and your partners, um, so that you can really figure that out. And then within the body stuff, I like to teach people how there's a difference between desire and arousal. And so I don't know, Becca, if you're, you don't have to share about your personal thing unless you want to, but like when you weren't wanting it, there may have been times where your body was like physically aroused Mm. by something, but desire is like more in your brain. Desire Mm -hmm. is like, I want this versus arousal is your body's unconscious like yes. physical turn on. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sexual. It could just be like, oh, this thing happened and now my nervous system is turned on. Yeah. So, sometimes desire can happen without arousal and arousal can happen without desire.
1: I had a conversation with this actually with my partner recently where like he didn't know like I and and sometimes I realize how um in sort of like female circles or sign female birth circles how we are very familiar with the concept of like yes a woman could be violated and could be wet or aroused at the same time like or have
2: an orgasm or
1: have an mm-hmm. orgasm and and I know like I have a male friend who did not consent to the sexual experience but you know was able to ejaculate you know like and, and all that kind of thing and um but it was interesting my partner was like I didn't know that and I was kind of like yeah duh but then I realized like this is not something that we always have conversations Mm -hmm. about and um and and also I just wanted to say I felt felt it was very validating when you were even just talking briefly about the nose kind of like the accelerators and brakes because I think sometimes I know I felt at times like I have so many damn brakes like what is wrong with me why is it that like someone can just do this and then I'm just like okay I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm over this, whatever. Right. And you can feel kind of like, what, what the heck is wrong with me?
2: Right. Uh, what are your top, where are y'all's top breaks? <laughs> mm. Good question. Depends that on the is, day. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It depends on the day. So this is important too, because I think when we're in session and we talk about this stuff and I'm working on this with clients. I also am acknowledging that like this stuff can change yes. mm-hmm. but a lot of times, especially long-term partnerships. People like to think that they know everything about Uh, them. Yeah. And like, you can never know everything about a person, but also like shit changes over time. So like day to day, yes, partner to partner, moment to moment, like things are shifting. Um, If folks out there listening are wanting to like figure out what their brakes and accelerators are, I always recommend the book Come As You Are um, by Emily Nagoski. I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast, but- it's great for any gender of person. Um, and then she's also got these like accompanying worksheets where you can actually think about like, what are my breaks and really like figure that out, but also how to re-accelerate when the breaks happen. Cause that's essential. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of skill and practice. I think like, it's something that my partner and I have gotten better at with time where it's like, wait, we can come back together after just taking a space and recognizing what the other person needs. Um, Yeah, I think it's also confusing when, like, you're like, yesterday this was your accelerator. Right. And today it's not. What? (laughs) What's going on? I can say, and I want to hear your breaks if you guys have any in particular. (laughs) Yes. One for me is, like, um, I don't like when someone is, like, kissing on top of me. And that might be from past trauma or I might Mm -hmm. just not like the feeling of being trapped. But, like, if I'm laying down and someone's on top of me kissing me, I'm like... I'm suffocating. Like mm-hmm. I need this to stop Get in. And I've actually in the past, like almost like kicked off where I'm just like, okay, back up. Um And, but I, that can be really off putting for a partner where they're like, what? I'm, I was trying to, you know, show up for you and show you that I'm, that I, I'm, you know, into you in this way. But, And then,
2: and then they feel rejected and they, uh, then everything stops and then things get tense and then you're both in fight or flight and then it fucking sucks. Yes. And then people come see me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I have like two that stand out in my mind,
0: one outside the bedroom and then one inside the bedroom, outside the bedroom for me, if I am in any way busy and my partner comes up and tries to like grab me. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm shut down for a week. <laughs> like, don't touch
1: me. I'm researching for the podcast. <laughs> don't try to pull me in. Right yeah. Or, yeah. No,
0: do not try to like smother me and cuddle me when I'm in the state of like, I'm busy, like trying to like oh, research yeah. something or be in something. It will turn me off and I will be turned off for like a long time. Like it, because it just incites a lot of anxiety for me. Oh,
1: I can relate to that one.
0: And then my other break, and this is something I don't think we've really ever talked about on the podcast. Um, I have never enjoyed someone going down on me huh. I I've explored that with a therapist before and I, it's not even like trying to like dive into like is there a shame piece right, whatever right. it's like no I it's don't like just, it I just don't like being in that position I like going down on my partner mm-hmm. but I don't like having someone go down on me so when someone is trying to go there done Mm -hmm. it's like I I completely my headspace I'm somewhere else I can't I can't go there anymore those are my two big ones
2: oh thank you for sharing it's I hope this is so validating to everyone listening because there's so many different breaks and I really love that you also said that there were non-sexual ones because I think a lot of people think well if I just do the right amount of quote-unquote foreplay right and like sexually based foreplay then that's enough but a lot of people's foreplay is non-sexual. Like, yes. oh, put your fucking beer cans away and like take out the trash <laughs> totally. and clean up your space. Like, ooh, yeah. I, oh yeah. I yeah, you're you're in now. Totally. Yeah. And um, I know for myself personally,
0: like a like uh I know some people like you know need those different forms of foreplay for me. I a break for me is if foreplay is too long. Uh, I'm like, uh-uh, it's too yeah. long. I'm out of it.
1: Yeah. A break for me is a messy house. I'm like, <laughs> don't no, no, this is not the time.
2: <laughs> the anxiety rises. Yeah, I, I definitely resonated um, with what you were saying about the the breaks of me being busy. Um, and probably my least favorite is when someone like goes to Fast too quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So like if they're going right for like my nipples, my breasts, Mm -hmm. and like I haven't been warmed up, or if they're going right to like something intense, and I really like to kind of take my time. Um, And so it really takes a lot for me to like come back to the moment after someone tries to go too quickly with me. And yes, sometimes there are certain times where there's been a lot of sexual energy and tension building before I call that like simmering, like simmering mm-hmm. the pot. Right. And so then I'm more open to like a quick grab, but it's not like it was quick. It's like right. the foreplay started after we finished hooking up the last time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Like yes, the foreplay yes. has been simmering the whole time. <laughs> Do you get angry? Do you get like kind of an angry reaction? Cause I can, I get sort of like in my body, I'll be like, it, like you said, if someone touches me too soon in an erotic zone where I'm like, whoa, who do you think you are? You totally. know? Yeah. yeah.
2: I would say I used to and sometimes still, but I think it's taken a lot of work on like regulating my nervous system to not respond with anger. Mm-hmm. So looking at like my triggers and figuring out what does reaccelerate after my breaks come up. But like this is, The kind of work that folks do in session with me, because I don't think we're taught how to do that, Mm -hmm. certainly in a sort of detailed way. And so it definitely takes practice and it's not perfect all the time, Mm -hmm. um, depending on how triggering the thing is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's yeah, it's just work to learn nervous systems. What does it take to come down? Being able to communicate that with your partner figuring out how to communicate that in like a way that it's going to be received. Well, like it's, it's a lot of practice. And that's why I try to tell people that like sex is not natural. (laughs) Like a lot of people like to say sex is normal, sex is natural. And like, yes, in a lot of ways it is, but it's not natural in that we, it takes practice and like learning all this stuff that most of us didn't talk about. And also something that you were saying before Jess was like, talking about that sort of bristle response that you get when you're like, not in the mood. Um, Have you all talked about like responsive versus spontaneous desire? No, no. Um, Would you like to learn? Yes, please. (laughs) Um, Okay. So basically there are different ways that we experience desire and arousal. And remember those two things can be separate. So responsive, or actually, let me start with spontaneous. Spontaneous means that like arousal, the physical body being aroused kind of happens at the same time as desire, mm-hmm. right? Like the wind blows and you're like, I'm ready to, I've got <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm it's good to go. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, this is often more common for people with penises, um, but it can happen for all genders. And then it can also happen usually at the beginning of the relationship. People mm-hmm. are more in that spontaneity. Uh, Versus responsive desire means that desire does not happen until after arousal or until after certain needs or situations are met. Um, So basically it's like people having to figure out what does it take for me to be open to the idea of experiencing desire. So someone with Mm. responsive might be doing their work, doing the dishes. And the spontaneous person comes up and is like, oh, I wanted you all day and starts grabbing at you. Uh And you're like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Total bristle, like shut down. This happens to me all the time. (laughs) And so I'm not saying this in like, in a non-consensual way that you should like force yourself to keep going. Right. If you know that you're responsive, Mm -hmm. it might be like, ooh, I'm not in the space right now, but- I know that I want to connect with you at some point, so I'm willing to get there, but we got to do some stuff first.
0: Yeah, that's That's, so interesting.
2: Yeah, so then then you kind of like take the time and then once for responsive people, once your body starts feeling aroused, then you're like, oh, I remember that I liked this last time. Mm -hmm. Now I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's more about like being open to the idea of getting turned on, knowing that it might not happen right away. And then responsive people, often the kinds of homework that I give them is figuring out how they can sort of, um, I guess, if we're using the car metaphor, like keep the car running a little bit and kind of get the engine going as opposed to like having it just be cold and then some spontaneous person coming in and trying to start it real quick. Mm -hmm. Yes,
0: that makes so much sense. I know... um... And Becca and I, we've talked about this, but like with our relationships, I have had similar situations with my partner where it's like, you know, we're we're like really having a a good energy uh, where we're matching uh, sexually for a long time. And then all of a sudden you hit like a couple months where it's like, this is not working for some reason. Like, you know, I am just not feeling it. Um, A lot of times, again, it it's very stress involved for me. So when I'm feeling stressed or anxious, like I am not having that arousal. But we've had these conversations where I'm like, you know, when he's feeling like rejected or hurt, I am like, OK, and why now you're when you're using these these terms with arousal versus desire, I'm like, I have the desire mm-hmm. to want to be sexually intimate with my partner. But my body in its stress is like. She's not aroused. (laughs) So, the idea of, yeah, taking that moment and like sitting with myself and kind of being like, okay, I can revisit this and keep the car running because that desire is there. But at this moment, my body is not aroused. And are you kind of
1: talking about sort of maintaining an erotic energy in a way of like sort of figuring out how to tap into your body and like kind of sensuality, even outside of sexual situations? Is that kind of what you're talking about with like keeping the car running?
2: Definitely. I think for for the responsive folks, it's definitely good to have the partner know and understand so that they don't come at you in that way. Mm -hmm. So part of it's their work to be like, how do I, I don't want to say contain myself, but how do I remember that and not Mm -hmm. just like pounce um, and figure out my own like erotic energy and style and then remember my partners and be kind of patient with that, that I might have to wait for them to like join me. Um, And then, yeah, I think it's also if we are responsive, it's our responsibility to figure out what are the things that do start getting me into that space Mm -hmm. or that do help me to relax or that Mm -hmm. do allow me to put work down for a little bit or that do help me regulate my nervous system so that I can uh, connect with my partner and sort of having that responsive person take responsibility, figure out what those are and then do them so that you're not just waiting for your partner to come and turn you on Mm -hmm. at random times, but you're figuring out ways to build that erotic energy for yourself.
0: That's so
1: interesting. So what are some tips you have for communicating not right now or, you know, both communicating that and receiving rejection sexually?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. Cause like nobody likes it. Sure, right. Sure. Um, I mean, first I think it's important to find a way to communicate some of these differences to your partner mm-hmm. and it's okay. If you need help, like that's what someone like me is here for. That's what sex therapists, sex educators, this podcast um, is there for. And so it's okay. If you need help, most of us weren't taught how to talk about these things. Um, so it may take some practice. Um, but if you're feeling ready for it, I would say, The first tip I have is to ask your partner how they prefer to be told no. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this could be true for sex and not sex. This could be true for activities or things you want to do together, but just kind of asking your partner, like, hey, I know nobody likes to hear no, like it sucks, but there's some times where there's things that maybe I'm not ready to do with you, or I don't feel like doing sexually, or I'm not in the mood. And I just um, hate for you to feel rejected especially if it has nothing to do with you. Um, Is there a way that you prefer me to tell you no, that would feel best for you? Mm -hmm. And just asking. But then I think it's it's good to ask yourself, is it personal or not? (laughs) Because if you are rejecting them because you're not having the kind of sex you're wanting to be having, or you're not feeling good about the sex you're having, then maybe it is personal and you got to talk about some other stuff. But if it doesn't have to do with them, then I I would say the question that I'm describing from before
1: okay so what about that and I think that this is kind of a good way sort of into like fetish and kink stuff too like how do you start conversations I feel like we get that converse that question so much just in general with sex how do I bring up that I want to bring toys into the bedroom how do I want to bring up that I don't like the way he kisses me how do I mean that's something that comes up again and again (laughs)
2: Yes. Okay. Practice, practice, practice. Um, I would say first, before even maybe sharing it with your partner, get comfortable with yourself of like getting those words in your mouth, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So like even writing out what you're wanting to say, practicing it with yourself, like practicing saying the words to friends of like, I want this and really owning that for yourself. Um, I also think, and this is sort of a, unfortunately the longer work, is a lot of us, especially women, don't feel like we deserve Mm. to have the kind of sex we want to be having or we're worried that we're asking for too much. Like I think a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of women are taught that we are supposed to be good hostesses. um, And that includes like hosting people inside of us for sex. Mm, Uh, And so I think asking yourself, do you feel confident in that you deserve more? Whether that be more pleasure, more toys, more tools, more interests, more desires. Because if you don't, it's certainly going to be hard for you to own that desire and name it to somebody else. So it might be some work that you're needing to do on your own to really, yeah, feel confident that you deserve that and you deserve to have this pleasure and to have more. Um, But in addition to that, yeah, I think it's practicing saying the words, getting those words in your mouth. Um, and then if you're feeling nervous, like blame it on us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) say, Oh, I was listening to this chatty broads podcast and they were talking about this thing. And it was like, Oh, what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or like blame it on a book. Like, Oh, my therapist recommended this book. Like how weird let's read it together. Like, what do you think? Or like, Oh, my friend sent (laughs) me this podcast episode. Like, would you be down to listen to it together and then talk about it? Yeah. Um, I think to me, that can sort of be a way to, to ease into it. Like, yeah, ultimately it's good to be able to own it, but shoot, I've been working on this for myself for years and I'm a therapist. So it's easy for me to sit in my therapy chair and be like, just communicate it, just Just say what you want. Like that's fucking hard. (laughs) So like blame it on somebody else first. maybe. (laughs) that's kind of being considered to the other person too
1: though you know it's like if my if my boyfriend is is all of a sudden comes home he's like I want an open relationship you know it can be like okay um I was not prepared versus like I listened to this podcast about non-monogamy I'm gonna send it to you it's really interesting that can kind of like it I think it's just kind of helpful for the other person too to sort of warm them up to the idea of something they might not have even considered before also
2: yes I'm also a huge fan and I'll do a shameless promo of my friend's app called Lovewick um, that I'm actually talking about on my podcast this week. And it's one of those like card apps um, and oh, they've yeah. got different decks. They've got everything from like family to religion, to travel, to sex and leisure, to relationships, to openness, to kink. Um, and so kind of letting some of the resources out there guide you you know, so it's like, well, I didn't ask you this. The card, it's the cards. Yeah. It's in the cards. All <laughs> right. You know? um, right. And there's even some apps where it's just a swiping game where it'll present you with like a sexual thing and you can swipe right if you like it and left if you don't, and then it'll match you up on the ones you matched on. Mm. Um, so there's so many great resources oh, out there. Really like cool. find some resources and maybe bring it up as like a I don't know, like, hey, I've been really wanting to connect with you more. Hey, I found this fun thing. Are you willing to do it together? Do it on a drive, do it on a walk. Um, don't do it while you're having sex. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of bringing this stuff up. And so they wait until they get horizontal to be like, actually, I hate the way that you touch me. And yeah. um, the sex we're having is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, right. It's good. it's good to make boundaries if you need to in the moment. And, um, I think not waiting until that really vulnerable time where people are probably less likely to be open to hear what you have to say.
0: Yeah. And do you think that as that that same concept goes with then someone wanting to maybe present a new kink, like not doing it like in the bedroom, being like, let's try this so that then the person doesn't necessarily feel the pressure of like, I have to Mm, perform into this and perform like like presenting that beforehand.
2: Yeah. Like while you're not in the moment. Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of us can, I mean, it's great to be able to, of course, feel safe to make those boundaries in Mm -hmm. while you're having sex. Um, But I do think these things like classes and talking before um, and figuring out good times to have these convos when people are feeling like relaxed um, Mm -hmm. is probably a best way to start. Like, oh, I have an idea when you're both feeling like chilled out and in a good space and feeling grounded. um, That's a good way to start.
0: Okay, broads, one more quick pause here. Listen, I don't care how many salads you eat or green juices that you chug, at least for myself, getting my full six cups of fruits and veggies that the CDC recommends in each day can be tough, to say the least, okay? I try, but I know I don't manage to do it, but I know I need to because it's what my body needs. How do I get this in
1: practically on a daily basis? If you're looking for a super simple yet effective way to get your fruits and veggies in every day, you should look no further than Field of Greens. Field of Greens is a superfood powder that's packed with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. And so it's pretty much everything you need to stay feeling great all in one place. Mix Field of Greens in your morning, morning smoothie or a glass of water, Whatever, whatever else you feel like I can mix it in um, a cup of water or a smoothie first thing when I wake up. And I think it's a great way to get my body feeling good and ready to start the day.
0: And once you start taking Field of Greens, you're going to reap the benefits pretty much right away. The biggest thing I personally noticed was how much more energy I had throughout the day because I was starting off the day with a punch of essential vitamins and minerals. It is such a simple, smooth, easy way to get those vitamins, those minerals, fruits and veggies, those
1: prebiotics, those herbs all in. Field of Greens is fantastic. Join us and take Field of Greens. To help you get started, we got you 15% off your first order, plus another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. Visit fieldofgreens.com, use promo code chatty. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code chatty, fieldofgreens.com, promo code chatty.
0: So I love when a brand that's already really great gets even better. Like, I was already a huge fan of Native for their array of natural wellness products, but now they've made a change that makes me love them even more. Native has just released their best-selling deodorant that I already use and love, by the way, in new and improved plastic-free packaging.
1: Native is really serious about doing their part to help the planet, which means not only do they have this great new packaging that's plastic free and 100% recyclable, they've also committed to being a partner of 1% for the planet, which means 1% of the sales from their plastic free deodorant goes directly towards environmental nonprofits. So when you switch to Native, you're saving 37 grams of plastic. And when you think about how much deodorant each of us goes through in a year, that's a lot of plastic saved by switching to Native.
0: If you're a longtime lover of native deodorant like I am, there's no need to worry because while the packaging has changed, the product inside is still as great as it always has been. Totally aluminum-free, paraben-free, and kills odor-causing bacteria to keep you smelling fresh the entire day. Plus, it's available in a ton of amazing scents like my personal summertime favorite, coconut and vanilla. Oh my goodness, I was gone this weekend and I forgot my native deodorant, so I had to use something else. Not so good in comparison, okay? (laughs) I needed my Native deodorant back. And be sure to check out some of Native's other amazing natural products like their body
1: washes, facial cleansers, sunscreens, and everything else they have to offer. Are you ready to try plastic-free deodorant? Go to nativedeo.com slash chatty or use promo code chatty at checkout. Get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash chatty or use promo code chatty at checkout for 20% off your first order. Okay, pivoting. Um, a lot of people out there, us included, are into weird shit. How can people feel <laughs> less alone in that? Like I, I was just thinking, like, you know, there are people who are so heavily involved in like kink and queer communities, and yeah. that's just kind of the world that they live in. And then there are so many other people I think out there who feel isolated and alone on an island whether it be geographically where they're located or just kind of the kind of family and friends and partner that they're with. Um, So I guess I'd like to hear just from your perspective, like how to navigate being into something and not knowing how to connect with others about that thing that you're into.
2: Yeah, great question. I mean, firstly, what even is weird shit, right? Like mm-hmm. weird shit to me is probably nothing because I'm a sex therapist and I've like heard everything. <laughs> weird shit to you might be at a different barometer. Weird yeah. shit to, you know, your partner, someone else, your mom, like everyone's going to have- Well, I guess not right mainstream levels. sex, right?
1: Like not the yeah. not the sex that's the the hetero, really just, you know, the, the sex that you see in movies and TV.
2: Totally. Um, this is one area where I do like think porn Uh, and like sexual content is great. Um, I like to tell folks, you know, porn can sometimes be educational, but if that's your only education for sex, like not ideal. Porn is fantasy. Porn is done by sex athletes and professionals. Um, It's not your education. Um, And I think pornographic content can be great to just see that, oh, I'm definitely not the only one out there who searches this. Mm -hmm. Like just try searching some terms, even if they're not things that you're into, just to be like, whoa, that exists. Like if you can think of it, it is out there. I promise (laughs) you, I have heard about it. Um, And the best part is there's community for it. Mm -hmm. And so like bring up your incognito mode browser if you're feeling shy and like Google some stuff (laughs) and just see what's out there. Um, even if you're not ready to admit to yourself, you like it, maybe pick something you're not even into that mm-hmm. seems extreme and just see what's out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, cause then I think <laughs> to me, the next key step is connecting with community. Yeah. Um, and meaning community that's already interested in the thing that you're interested in. Um, and I think community is key. So finding that community, but also really figuring out that if you can think of it, it is out there, um, there's also some really great older books that I would recommend by, um, a writer named Nancy Friday, I believe is her name. And she talks all about like weird things, I guess, if we're <laughs> using the term weird, um, uh, but just to kind of help you normalize that, like, it's out there, man, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that. Cause I was telling Jess in our intro, like
1: I went down a rabbit hole the other day with, um, like scat fetish stuff actually from an article that you were featured on uh, about (laughs) people with farting fetishes. And I was, it was, There was I was there was some of this this a lot and I wasn't prepared for it. and I was kind of like okay I needed a (laughs) warning but I was telling Jess also what's really interesting is to and then I was reading different people's experiences on forums and stuff and what was interesting though was to be aroused. by hearing about other people's arousal for something that I would never have any interest in actually participating in or even viewing, really. Yes. Um, but to be aroused by someone being so into something, even into something that I think, that I might think is gross or whatever.
2: Oh, what a cool thing to find out about yourself. Yes. So we're, we're always learning new things. Um, I also really like, uh, there's a couple of folks who have these yes, no, maybe lists. So yes. if you don't know what that is, a lot of people in kink or BDSM use them, but I think they're great for everyone. And I wish more people who weren't into kink and BDSM use them, but it's basically a list that features all sorts of sexual conduct, um, and sexual things out there. And you get to kind of explore what are my yes, no's, maybes, what the fucks, and like, what the hell is that, um, <laughs> that you can, you know, take notes on. But I think those are also normalizing because it'll be like, Whoa, all this stuff is available on my menu. Like this is, uh, interesting. Uh, so it's, it's a great opportunity to, I think, figure that out. And we can definitely talk about farting. Uh, people oh. who farting well. Yes. <laughs> With the yes, no, maybe list.
1: Actually, my boyfriend and I did that and it was just fun too, to like connect and be like, Oh that's a maybe on yours and a maybe on mine. Like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Like, it yeah. just kind of opens the door, I think, to conversations and connection. Because chances are, if you're going through like 40 questions, there's going to be something that overlaps with your yeses or your nos or maybe so I feel like that's a fun way to have conversations to start conversations
2: totally and then it's like giving permission to both of you as opposed to you just being like oh there's this thing I really want to do but you're feeling really vulnerable and then the right. spotlight so this is like oh we're sharing in this together and oh I didn't know that about you like how interesting yeah okay let's talk about fart fetishes <laughs> Okay. Well, I have a story that is interesting. So you talked about what kind of people I see in my practice. And so, um, you know, whenever I get a call for a new client and that it's tough because they're going to talk about sex stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to really be cautious about like, who's what I would call like a creepy caller, uh-huh. meaning like someone who doesn't actually want to come to therapy, but wants to like uh-huh. masturbate on the phone with me. Um, Cause I get that. Hadn't, uh,
0: hadn't even thought about that.
2: Mm-hmm. It all makes no, sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, totally non-consensual. It's, you know, it's, that's a whole nother conversation. But <sighs> then of course people are going to talk about sex stuff because I'm a sex therapist. So I'm right always on. open to like, tell me what's going on. You know, how can I support you? What are you looking for? So I have to be open to whatever they might say. um, Consider that they're being serious about it. Um, And so I had one person who hit me up who um, at first they were, it seemed like they were interested in something else. And then I found out that they were in another state. And uh, as part of my California therapy license, I can only do therapy with people in California. So I was like, oh, I can't see you, but like I can give you some referrals. And then they came back at me with like, well, actually I just, you know, the thing I really want to talk about is I've started going into public restrooms, like those one stall, you know, one room, uh, handy, accessible ones. And, um, I realized that after someone comes out and they've like gone number two, like I like the smell. And I'm like, they're like, is that normal? And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, like, thank you for sharing. Like, again, I can give you some referrals because you're like not in state, but like, yes, this is a thing, you know, let me help you get connected. And then they're like, then they sent in then they kept pushing the boundary. <laughs> they're like, okay, really? I just want to come in session with you so you can fart in the room with me and I can see if I like it. <laughs> Uh, and part of, me, part of me was like, well, how much do you want to pay me? Because, like, I fart every day and I could do this for money. That's wonderful. And great. There are people out there who do that. There are professional sex workers and dominatrixes who will gladly fart on your face all day long. Sadly, I can't do that in my therapy office. But here's, again, here's some referrals. Here's some referrals. So, like, it's out there. And I think. For me, if it's consensual between like consenting folks and it's risk aware, meaning you know what the risks are and you feel empowered doing it, like everything's cool in my book. Uh, Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. So where, in your opinion, where do the origins of these fetishes come from? You know, I think that's something that we're really interested in. Jess is really curious about feet.
0: I'm very curious about the foot fetish just because it is so like so common. I would say, is it, is it probably the most like common
2: fetish? I don't or know the, if it's the most common. There's quite a few, but I do think it's a, it's one that a lot of people know.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Then, then, then the one that's widely spoken about that I'm so interested. Like, w- what are the origins of this? Yeah.
2: Yes, okay. So one thing that when people always ask me, like, why? Why am I into yeah. this? Why is someone into this? I'm curious about why they care, I guess. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is because I think often the why comes... Potentially, not always, but potentially from a shame piece of like, clearly there's something happened to me that made Mm -hmm. me like this thing as opposed to like, (laughs) yeah, am I fucked up as opposed to like, if this is consensual, if this is something that you're risk aware about and you've got community to do it with. Uh, does it matter?
1: Who cares? Yeah. Mm.
2: And and I also think, you know, I care a lot about doing that inner work and insight work and looking at our like traumas, our breaks, our accelerators. So I think if it's coming from like a curious and like supportive place, that's better or more ideal than like, why did this happen? Because then if I can figure out why it happened, I can fix it and then right. I won't like it anymore. Sure. Right. Um, For feet, I have a story. Um, I knew of somebody who, uh, was trying to figure out why they loved feet so much. And they loved a very particular kind of foot. They liked like well manicure, red polish, uh, nicely done up feet in like stilettos. This was their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after doing kind of like an in-depth sexual and relational history, it turned out that when they were about 14, uh, and this was a person with a penis when they were about 14, And for people out there listening with penises, you probably got random erections when you were in middle school. Like it just happened. You're sitting at school and you got a boner. Um, Here you go, congratulations, you're welcome. (laughs) And so what would happen is this student would get these like random, very normal erections in class and would be like you know, a bit embarrassed. And then so they'd be looking down because the teacher used to walk around and do this with their nails. On the table, mm-hmm. yeah. Like while the kids were taking tests, this with their nails, on t- ASMR. This with yes. their nails <laughs> on the table, and so the the student was like embarrassed because of their boner, trying to hide it, and they would look down and they would always see their teacher's feet, and she always had these red manicured feet sticking out through her heels, and so it just kind of was this random association with like, I have a boner, uh-huh. here's a foot,
0: right, <laughs> so, right. Like,
2: Stuff like that can happen. Sometimes we have no idea where mm-hmm. some of these desires come from. And again, with that, I think asking yourself, why does it matter that I figure out why? Sure. And it's okay to be curious about it, to do that kind of work on yourself. Make sure you're addressing trauma, triggers, like internal work on yourself. But I think it can really come from anywhere. Like I also knew someone who was into um, sneezing stuff so they found it really uh, this is a very common they found it very erotic to watch somebody do a big (sighs) like big sneeze with their their nose going all up (sighs) like that and so it turned out that when they were younger they watched these like western films and somehow like eroticized people getting like uh like shot and like falling and making this big like face Uh and so there was something about like the way an orgasm looked, the way a sneeze looked, the way these like death scenes looked of like intense facial expressions that they like eroticized. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I also think, and this is not to shame these desires, but some people do um, eroticize their trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not in and of itself a bad thing. Um, So for example, if we talk about folks who have experienced like non-consensual stuff in their life, a lot of them will have fantasies about non-consent. And so this is very normal. I think it freaks a lot of people out if they've had trauma because they're like, did I like it? Was it my fault? What's wrong with me? There's a lot of shame. But I also think erotic play is a way for us to sort of re-narrate in our own mind and to sort of re- take ownership of like something that was maybe upsetting or disturbing to us physically mm-hmm. or emotionally mm-hmm. and so it's an opportunity to be like i own this now i get to do this for me on my time because mm-hmm. i want to and like make it something that is corrective for mm-hmm. you it's healing. so that's he- that can that can be healing i think if you're aware of it mm. sometimes we repeat our trauma patterns and it's not healing um but we can learn to make them corrective and
1: Healing. Mm. I think the psychology is just interesting because I think I read in the article too about the fart fetish, like a lot of it's not very common for women to have that fetish but it's very common for men to have that fetish and how there is this psychology behind like women don't fart right and we (laughs) try to hide it you know it's like unladylike and so it feels very secret or very like intimate for a woman to share that moment with you in such an open way yeah like what a dirty girl you know
2: yeah (laughs) right okay (laughs) what a disgusting woman (laughs) I love it I met somebody one time who said, girls don't shit. They only diarrhea. Oh my, what? <laughs> well, you know, that old Trump, like girls don't, women don't poop. Right, so they were like, right. yeah, women don't poop. They only they diarrhea. They <laughs> like, okay. Like, sure. Accurate. Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's just interesting too. Cause I mean, I'm sure everyone has something that they're into too, where they're like, why am I into that? Mm-hmm. Okay just talk about yours like
0: okay so my like most favorite thing yes. <laughs> in the bedroom um is and it really th- like your most favorite it's thing it's my most favorite thing really you're well, not like, playing it up i it nothing turned like gets me riled up more (laughs) and i don't i don't like to do it and i don't do it every time we're in the bedroom because it's like a special treat it's a little bit like okay you don't do this all the time because a little little extra scoop why why can't we
2: have our special treat all the time i
0: know but there's something (laughs) a little bit about like not always that makes it just kind of so i that's part of it because it's a special treat exactly so i love when my partner (laughs) and when i'm laying on my back And my partner will like stand like or or kneel over me. And I like his balls on my eyes. Like resting, rubbing all over my face. Like in the mouth is great. But it's literally like (laughs) on the eyes. Rubbing all over. And I used to wear I'm wearing them today, but I have um like like strip eyelashes and like sometimes
2: afterwards he's got like lashes on his balls and i'm like look (laughs) oh my god please do a ball calendar with eyelashes (laughs) and like in different poses because that's magnificent um thank you for sharing this i love that i haven't i haven't heard i haven't heard that in a while (laughs) in a while you've heard it before maybe not exactly yeah i mean there's always variations right i think there's Uh always sometimes a little variation but like hell yeah I I think, I think it's kind of this piece because I do like the only thing I'm worried about with the risk awareness is pink eye. So like make sure the balls are clean clean. unless you don't care about pink
0: eye. The man is like scrubbed to death. 24 sevens so there's <laughs> never a
2: like shower a balls. day kind of guy uh, he's he's a fully yeah it's always quite dimed down there which i appreciate um somebody but needs at- to buy you like one of those um eye shades that's just testicles oh yeah.
0: <laughs> i've gotten a lot of our listeners will send me these like memes and i'm like that's me um but i think a lot of it too when i like will process it i'm like i, I do um like like some levels of bondage so i think there's kind of this piece of like having someone like straddled like over my face and there's a little bit of like the smothering happening but it Mm. also feels like very it's like it's soft and it's nice
1: the eyes just what kills me because I also get them someone being over you and like, you know, being kind of, like you said, sort of like, like trapped. A and a
0: yeah.
2: maybe. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> but I, I will say I get messages on a regular basis yes. from listeners who yes. are like, I tried it and I loved it. Uh, see, that's the thing. You
1: don't know until you try.
0: Really? You really right? don't. Yes. And it okay. happened to me in kind of an accidental situation. Mm-hmm. It was like I, he, you know, I was giving him head and then he scooted
2: up. And it landed on my
0: face for a second. And I was like, like stop
1: right there. Don't
0: move. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I love that story. And I just, there's so many things about it that I love. Firstly, like sometimes we don't know what we're into. And then like an accidental thing will happen. And then all it takes is listening to your body and being like, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and like, and the willingness to be like, stop. I like that.
0: Right. And, and to
2: like name it and own it. Like, do you care why you're into it? no not at all great I'm like I don't
0: I I I I'm like I know I like it now the first time that he was doing it and I all of a sudden was like stop don't move I'll never forget <laughs> he's just straddling over my face like looking down and being like wait what? are you okay? <laughs> like are, are you good and I was like no I don't just I'm stay great. here and he's just like
2: oh okay <laughs> well I think you already pointed out some reasons like why you like it it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of like um kind of submissive. I don't know if like you would yes. say like degradation component right. of yes. it. Yes. Um and then I'm also hearing a very sensual component of it that this is like a very vulnerable part of him, but also a uh-huh. very vulnerable part of you. And it's soft, it's warm, it's yeah. fuzzy, like there's a lot of like sensual components of it. Like maybe uh, who knows? Maybe you had a really lovely teddy bear you like to like snuggle up on <laughs> your face on and now you've yeah. got a, a ball bear. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. beautiful.
1: Nicoletta, do you want to say one of your one of your fetishes that is? You don't have to, but I mean, oh, might as well ask something that's I, kind of a funny one. Aliens. Aliens. Oh, this is so fun because we always talk about aliens and she always talks about wanting to hook
2: up with
0: a
1: hot alien. And I
2: saw your tattoo of an alien and I was like, oh, we're going to get along good. Truth (laughs) is out there. I want to go to those like retreats where you talk to aliens so I can be like, please have sex with me. (laughs) 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 Please have sex with me. Um, Okay, so some people who are into aliens like the tentacles and stuff. I'm not super into the tentacles. That's fine if you're into that. Good on you. There's a lot of, you know, fetish material out there for you. Um, I was talking to a friend about it and what I found out that I like, cause it's like aliens, vampires, ghosts, oh, like, yes. all these supernatural entities. And I'm like, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> um, so I figured out after, and this was after talking to a friend who's also kind of kinky and, um, that's why community is important. Cause you can talk to people about this yeah. stuff in a non-judgmental space. Um, and to me, I figured out that it's about, it's about being special. I Mm. like to be a special girl chosen (laughs) chosen exactly and so for me that I think there's definitely some like emotional trauma stuff around that Mm. for sure that I've kind of connected it with but that hasn't lessened my desire in it now I'm just like oh I'm aware of that I'm doing my own work on that and what a lovely way I get to like play with that in in my sex play Mm. um but yeah it's about the being chosen like oh I'm this like special earth girl and (laughs) <laughs> this ghost, alien, vampire, whatever is like supernatural. Like they are more, they don't have human um, flaws. So they're they're better than, they're, they're superhuman. Yes. And so they're thinking and seeing me and being like, actually you're the most special. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to kill that. you. I'm going to take you and you're going to be mine because um you're just the most special out of all the humans. Uh-huh. I
0: love that. That <laughs> gives eyes a lot. <laughs> I'm
2: like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, totally, right? Let's find where whoever's out there listening, where are you? Yeah, I also watch way too much ancient aliens, so that could also be it, but yeah. yeah. There you go. I think we need to have an it. Sounds like we need to have a little alien get together. <laughs> I am always down for that. What about you,
1: B? Well, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I guess, um, well, I, I am curious sometimes about the psychology of certain things. Like, for example, being choked, where I'm like, if someone was to choke me, I would be like, in any situation, I would be like, back the fuck up. Who do you think you are, you know? Right. But then in in an erotic situation, to be nearly asphyxiated is so... But I think that's just sometimes... That's just a physical ins- sensation. Like, I like being choked, but when I experience it, it's like I feel the blood rush to, like, every other area of my body or, like, my head. And in that moment, I can just be fully present for my body and my body alone because I'm so distracted by the sensation of that. So I guess that's a simple one. Mm-hmm. But one I've talked about but on I the... But I think what,
2: once we figure out why we like something thinking of other ways that we can like explore that too of like, Oh, maybe I'm really busy all day. And it's nice to feel like I'm not in my head and being Uh, in my body feels really nice. What are some other ways I could get into my body? Or like, I like to feel special and chosen. What's that about? What are some communities that I can be a part of that uplift me and what's some work I can do internally that Helps me feel really good about myself. Yes. Yes.
1: So what were you saying? Oh, no. The one I brought up on the podcast before, which you all mocked me for. No, I'm just kidding. It was all very fun and teasing. But um, (laughs) now you remember. Like hentai, like animals having sex with each other, but like not like cartoon animals. Like it doesn't look like a real dog. It's like the weird little like. It's like Pokemon. Humanized. Humanized kind of. Exactly. Like animals. In hentai And I think that for me The psychology if I broke it down too Would be like oh Animals also aren't in their head They're just in their bodies And like Mm. experiencing like a desire Or an urge purely And I think that's a turn on for me Because I also want that for myself I don't want to be caught up in my head And also because of just religious trauma And a Mm. lot of shame based Sex stuff Being put in my brain as a kid Totally it feels good. The idea to just tap fully into desire and to just be present in desire with someone and to sort of like not be human in that way. Right. And not have mm-hmm. thoughts about the dishes and all of that getting into getting into my head. So.
2: Oh, so. I love that. Can I give you an invitation of something to, to do? Maybe you've done this yes. or you haven't. No, tell um, me. I would invite, you know, I would invite you to try to see if you can come up with your own like sexual animal persona. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So it doesn't have to be a real animal. It can be a combination of animals, but like, if you're like erotic energy or, or ideal erotic energy, almost like creating a alter ego, if you mm-hmm. will, of like your sex animal. Um, mm-hmm. And then wondering how do I like invite her, he, them, it to the table when I want to get, um, out of my head a bit. Um, and maybe it's like wearing a specific outfit. And I think even the act of like changing and like putting that persona on can like shift your entire entire nervous system. Like think about just like, I don't know, taking a shower or changing out of your work clothes. Mm-hmm. And so if you can kind of create this like erotic animal that you're like, oh, it wasn't me. It was like Lola <laughs> the bunny, right? <laughs> then what would that feel like?
1: I can totally uh, resonate with that because I've even like, just felt the difference and it's not like an active role play where it's like I'm gonna dress up like a nurse but even just like putting on a beanie or hoodie or something and that gives me a different energy with my partner if I can just kind of like channel that like you're saying I don't have to tell them like I'm the girl you met at the skate park you yeah. know but in my head you <laughs> I know, love that
2: role play though but yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like what would it feel like to just be to embody that energy of like I don't really care what the house looks like or whatever because you know I'm horny and we're to smoke weed together and hook up. Like, right. I don't know. I think that, that I can totally see how that would, how you could kind of channel a different energy and bring that to the table just even with yourself, even if you're not telling your partner about it. So yes. I love oh, my that God. idea.
0: I'd catch me. Like, I'm going to be, you know, my, the, only, <laughs> the only energy that I could channel is just like, red lives smoking a cigarette in, like, a
1: beret every
0: time my husband walks in. And I'm just, like, I'm
1: mysterious. Take yeah. me, darling. <laughs> the, totally. house is a di- the house
0: is a complete disaster, and it's filled with smoke. You know I like, can't cook. <laughs> you know I
1: don't clean. I was raised by the elites, honey.
2: I was raised by wolves. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man i my love goodness. all that i know though. it's
1: so good well, Nic- nicoletta thank you so much for coming on this is awesome this is
0: such a great conversation and we would love to have you back again at some point and we know the listeners are going to be like we need more come back
1: on and let's do a whole sex q a question if, with advice if you sure. would be willing to do that we would
2: love yeah it's we we for listener q a's i would yes. love i love that stuff yes yes oh, it's okay, how about a hot tip about choking yes yes, please. yes. okay so choking. <laughs> yes <is laughs> (laughs) Tips about choking. Kind of falls under the category of what's called breath play. Not to shame your breath play, but remember what I said before, if it's consensual and risk aware. So risk aware means you're aware Mm -hmm. of the risks. Make sure you learn some stuff about choking. Mm. Can do a lot of damage if you don't know what you're doing. Um, one way to kind of do it safely, we can we can try it together. If you put the kind of, I guess people are watching on video, if you put the like base of your kind of thumb and forefinger Mm -hmm. here around. Instead of having somebody choke you, you can actually have them do this to you. And instead of having them press down on you, you lean in. So you oh. decide how much pressure.
0: Oh, okay. Does
2: that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So then if you're leaning into that person's hand, you can decide when it's too much. But do your homework, figure out so that you don't hurt each other and you can yeah. do press play in the safest way possible. It's never safe, but safer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank anyway. you for that tip. It oh, was a great
1: <laughs> tip. Okay. If people want to hear more tips and more advice and all of that kind of stuff, info from you, great guests, where can they find you?
2: I am on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, uh, on Twitter, less frequently at Sluts Scholars, com. or you can find my private practice at uh, therapy with nicoletta uh, on instagram and that'll direct you to my website but thank you so much for having me on the pod it was so nice being with you chatty broads and i would love to come back and answer questions yeah. anytime. Yay! so okay, excited thank you so much. and make
0: sure you check out our podcast yes. it is so good And right. <laughs> like maybe you two could come on uh, we would love, love, love would yeah. love yes. all right broads we'll chat soon chat soon